Darren, bless you. My, uh, my oldest friend in the world uh, is from Zimbabwe. He still calls it Rhodesia, hasn't quite moved on. But. This ends in your lap, could you bring it back to me? Uh, okay, pop up the first slide if you'd be kind enough, uh, please, Eli. On my way into church this morning, <laughs> my darling wife tapped me gently on the knee uh, just to remind me to, um, to talk slowly. <laughs> I'm from Aberdeen, Scotland, so we talk about four times the speed. Uh, it's an interesting dialect. Um, and when I met my wife, who's from Yorkshire, England, it was an interesting courtship. <laughs> Felt like quangling a fibra there, I. To which she would reply, hey, up, lad, do it for the sin. So, <laughs> I don't remember too much of the courtship when it came to communicating, but um, I'll try and speak slowly. Uh, and if uh, a rush on, just wave at me. If you have to leave early, well, just, just wave anyway. It'll be confusing, but... Um, so we're going to um, start with a little bit of culture. It'll all go down south after this, but... Um, okay, I've just go back to the first slide. <laughs> go back to the culture. Uh, this was uh, a painting done in 1620 by uh, Hendrik von Balen. Uh, in a Baroque uh, fashion. Um, and it just shows uh, the Trinity. God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, Holy Spirit is a person, not a bird. Uh, every analogy of the Holy Spirit uh, leaves us short. So I'm going to try and avoid analogies today. Uh, but I want to do, thanks uh, Eli, next slide. Um, it's just uh, have a little look, just for five minutes, about uh, the, the theology around the first person of the Trinity. Um, just have a look at a, th a theological perspective of who God the Father is, um, his relationship with creation, uh, ease into the Old Testament, and um, his relationship with his people Israel, uh, what the New Testament says about God the Father, and then look through um, a biblical prism of who God the Father is uh, in his creation. Um, that's where it might unravel a little bit, we'll, we'll see. Um, so God the Father is not always used in the same sense uh, in Scripture. Uh, sometimes it's applied to the triune God as the creator of all things. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, Paul says, Yet for us there is one God the Father, from whom are all things, and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ. Through him are all things, and through him through whom we exist. At other times in Scripture, uh, the references to the personhood of the Father. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 6, 18, it says, I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. As we read through the Old Testament, we see uh, God being a father uh, to his people Israel. Isaiah 64, 8 but now, O Lord, you are our father, we are the clay, and you are our potter, and we are the work of your hand. Skipping quickly into the New Testament, we see uh, God the Father in, a, in an ethical sense to his, his spiritual children. 1 John 3, 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. Into the New Testament, we see this relationship um, of God the Father um, really through the Son. 
Jesus uh, really is the representation of the Father uh, when he was in his earthly ministry. As our music director says, uh, God with skin on, which I quite like. John 5, 19. Uh, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. Although this message is principally about the, the personhood of God the Father, we will inevitably speak about Jesus. Um, I got into so much trouble uh, of trying to do a degree in theology, and uh, when I did my Old Testament module, I got a lot of red pen in all of my theses because I kept mentioning Jesus. And uh, he doesn't exist in the Old Testament. And I would write back to my, uh, my lecturer and say, well, I think you'll find he was always there. <laughs> in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Um, John 14, 9 and 10. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. And there we have it. The very reason that Jesus was so hated by the religious rulers of the day. The very reason they shouted crucify him at Calvary. God himself uh, had written in stone, you will have... Uh, no other gods before me. First commandment. It was blasphemous in their ears to hear Jesus claim equality with God. A prophet Isaiah, uh, chapter 9, verse 6, though declares this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Get this, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace are used in the very same sentence. God is um, indivisible. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God. Three persons. Uh, I can't understand it, um, but it's the truth, I believe. Um, if we move into the New Testament again, uh, the writers had this notion of the Trinity, this oneness of God, but three persons. Um, demonstrate that in Matthew chapter 29 verse 19 go therefore make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit they only use a name once you'll note a singular there it's not the name of the Father the name of the Son the name of the Holy Spirit that would be three persons uh, individually as one God but uh, within that one God we have Father Son and Holy Spirit operating uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Trinity at work in practice. Uh, before we leave theology, which I'm quite happy to do today, uh, someone once said regarding the Trinity, try to explain it and you'll lose your mind. Try to deny it and you'll lose your soul. Ouch. Okay, I want to move on to a more uh, uh, practical application uh, of the essence of the Father. Um, and more importantly, I want to look at fatherhood today. Okay, let's start by looking at um, the Father heart of God. 
Uh, our Father in heaven is compassionate. Psalm 103:13. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. And Psalm 34:18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. He is a compassionate father. He's also a good God who gives good gifts to his children. You probably remember the verse in Matthew 7, 9 to 11. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or a fish, give him a serpent? If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? He is a good God who gives good gifts to his children. He is also a God who loves us. Probably don't need to mention John 3.16. But I will. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. He is also a God who has adopted us to be his own children. Romans 8:15 For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry abba father Wasn't that a touching um, presentation by Vanna Really thought provoking My wife and I actually watched uh, the machine gun preacher last night uh, we read the reviews first Worst film in 2012 it says well, we went through about half a packet of tissues. <laughs> oh, it's just a, it's a beautiful film. Um, it stars a Scotsman, uh, actually, but um, anyway, that aside. Um, beautiful. Um, I led a, a, a children's ministry, Joe and I, uh, many years ago. I may have told this story before. I'll be, I'll be brief. Um, but we had like 60 kids would come Saturday morning for an hour and a half um, of dynamic uh, fun uh, for these kids, singing, dancing, um, playing games, uh, very Christ-centric ministry. Many of them got saved. It was wonderful. But we discovered that there were a, um, a set of um, uh, children, uh, siblings, um, who were in an orphanage around the corner. They came from an orphanage. I didn't even know we had orphanages in uh, Aberdeen. Um, the older boy uh, was 12, and he had a little brother and sister who were five and six. Uh, but after a few months, the elder one stopped coming, and uh, we went to the orphanage to find out if everything was okay. And uh, we said, where's, where's David? Why is he not coming anymore to the, to the, uh, to the kids' church? And uh, the social worker said, oh, he's, he's been fostered out. I said, what do you mean fostered out? His brother and sister are still coming. Oh, ah, yeah. No, no one can take three kids. As, I don't understand, you've, you've split these kids up. So well, what else do you want us to do? At least we can give one child uh, a chance at having a life. And uh, I need to move away from this spot. <laughs> Doesn't matter where you stand. You can't escape God. So I went home in tears and told my wife, the next day, we went to the um, fostering and adoption agency in Aberdeen and said, sign us up. Sign us up for sibling groups. doesn't matter how many there are. If you watch the machine gun preacher, you'll understand the heart of that. 
in uh, northern Uganda and southern Sudan. You remember a few weeks ago, Darren was preaching on starfish? Thousands of starfish on the beach dying. A little child there picking up one at a time. You're wasting your time. You won't save them all. But I can save some. I can save some. Please give some consideration to, uh, and prayer towards Vanna. So, uh, he's also our provider. John 14.2. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you that? I go to prepare a place for you. He is our provider. Compassionate, loving God, giving us good gifts and providing for us. So if that is God the Father, and he's created us in his image, male and female created them, go and procreate and make a family. Family is God's thing, headed up by a father. Then, hey, how are we doing in our world right now? It seems to me that we are in something of a fatherless generation. Um, just thinking about this message, a horticultural analogy came to me. Um, I actually hate gardening. <laughs> my, my wife's the gardener, so this, this might not go well. But um, l- let me say what I believe here. Uh, that Satan sowed the seeds in the 1950s, which germinated, began to sprout in the 60s, and now we have a garden full of weeds. World War II left a devastating impact on the family unit. Estimates vary between 50 and 80 million people were killed in World War II. Many fathers did not return from the war. Faith in God began to wane. A void was created. And simultaneously, uh, the gods of secularism and humanism, Marxism and communism rose their heads. Darren preached last week on the return of the gods of Baal and Molech and Ishtar, if you remember that. Remember when Jesus uh, was talking about uh, deliverance and he said to them, um, if you deliver someone from a demon, the house is made clean. But if it's not filled with God, then that demon goes and gets seven of his mates and comes back and the condition of that person is worse than before. We're meant to be full of God and where there's a vacuum, uh, the enemy will come in. Uh, And we see that quite clearly, even just in our generation. We are in something, I would say, of a holy war. A holy war for the souls of mankind. Um, You pop up that slide here. I'm a bit of a John Bunyan fan. Um, I've got this really old book uh, with lead drawings. It's that old. It didn't have dates on the books. Um, But this was actually uh, published in 1682. Uh, Who's heard of the holy war? Anyone? Just a couple of people? Yeah. You've probably heard of the Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, that's um, probably a more popular book by John Bunyan. But this one actually is a much deeper um, intrinsic work uh, of, this, of the spirit of man and the things that he goes through um, in regards to being attacked by the enemy and the temptations to fall away from God. Uh, it's a wonderful book. I have a bookshelf getting dusty. Uh, if you want to borrow it, see me. Um, it's, I usually rent it out for about $10 a time. They take a man out of Scotland. Eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is a picture of uh, 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 Diabolus and his demons uh, fighting uh, sort of the angels of God. 
outside this place called Eargate. Uh, and around this city of Mansoul, there are various gates. My wife's from Yorkshire, where the Romans built this fortification, these beautiful gates in this fortified wall there, this wall curtain around York. Uh, if you get a chance to go there, it's wonderful. But this has gates around it. There's ear gate and eye gate and feel gate and so on, all the senses. Um, this was the very first gate that, that Satan uh, tempted man at in the garden and said, did God really say... Be careful of Eargate. Uh, we're bombarded these days with our phones with Eygate. We are in a holy war. In the 1960s, the Ten Commandments were stripped from the walls of American schools. But 10 years later, prayer in schools was banned. And now children are encouraged to question their identity and even their gender. Some governments are allowing people to falsify their birth certificates to change their sex at birth. Scotland is one of them, I'm ashamed to say. It's all gone downhill since I left. <laughs> really, it really has. <laughs> Gender dysphoria has taken hold. In some places, parents can be found guilty of breaking the law if they do not affirm and encourage their children's desires regarding transgenderism. Some libraries and schools allow drag queens to take story time in class. We, we really need you in ministry. If you pray for some, someone who is struggling with their sexual identity, you're breaking the law in this state. In 2020, the Queensland government passed the conversion therapy bill into law. It's in some other states. New South Wales is deliberating on it at the moment with uh, Dominic Perity. The premise of the bill was to stop the mistreatment of LGBTQ+. Back in the 50s, some psychiatrists were doing uh, ECT treatment, uh, electroconvulsive therapy, um, because they, they believed that homosexuality was a mental disorder and they tried to treat it under that sense. And so day, today the government is saying, we don't want that stuff. And uh, so they've made a bill. It's passed now into law in some states in Australia. It seems quite a good law, uh, but like so much legislature, which has happened particularly in the last just few years, um, towards the back of the bill uh, comes the nonsense. And so this particular bill, uh, the conversion therapy bill, uh, it suggests it continues to be promoted by churches, ministries, and religious schools in the form of exorcisms, prayer, uh, and deceptive pastoral care. That's why uh, Christian schools are under attack. That's why many preachers in the pulpit around the nation will not touch this subject. I don't know if we're brave, Darren, or if we're stupid. <laughs> uh, in the first week of February, the Church of England announced that they were looking at ways in which it could use more inclusive language in regard to pronouns. Changing the literature to take he uh, out instead of uh, using it in reference to God the Father uh, and putting in parents instead of father we might have a look at some of those people 
Some of them advocate to take Father out of the Lord's Prayer. We're surely living in the most fatherless of generations. Satan is determined to break up families, to ruin the lives of children, and principally to remove fathers. Fathers are the protectors, the providers, the priests even. In Scripture, um, in Zechariah verse uh, 13, uh, sorry, chapter 13, verse 7, it's slide 20, if you have that. It says, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. It's true also in the setting of the family. If the enemy of God can isolate the father, then the whole family is affected. We're in a spiritual war to protect families and to honor God's creative order. The world is facing an identity crisis. The increase in queers and transgenderism is an alarming indicator of an apostasy from belief in God the Father. Now we know that battle is not against flesh and blood. And we are not to differentiate between sinners. We're all sinners. Those of us who have found salvation in Christ and are disciples of Jesus are required to demonstrate our love for God uh, by loving others without bias and without favor. But let's just take a sobering look at the magnitude of the problem. Uh, a fact sheet produced by Rainbow Health Victoria, not a document I ever thought I would find myself researching, um, but nonetheless, it proved to be um, a valuable uh, to get some statistics on what's going on. It recently identified the number of people who would say that they were lesbian or gay around the world is about 3 to 4% of the population. However, among those under 25 years of age in Australia, it rises to 4% for males, 7% uh, for females. The most recent research that's been um, released shows astonishingly that there are 11% of young males and 20% of young females who identify as bisexual. Also now, 1.7% of live births are people with an intersex variation. We're just um, looking on social media the other day, there was a, a, a woman uh, who was pregnant who decided to transition to become a man. Uh, she is now she is now the father of, of the baby, um, and her, her partner um, is a man who transitioned uh, into a woman who is now the mother of that baby. We wonder why kids are mixed up. We're suffering from a pandemic of absent fathers. In Australia, let me just say this is a painful thing to, to look at. In Australia, 85% of single-parent families are fatherless families. An American sociologist in 1996 wrote this, and this was almost 30 years ago. The decline of fatherhood is one of the most basic, unexpected, and extraordinary social trends of our time. In just three decades, between 1960, that's when the Ten Commandments came off the walls in schools, and 1990, the percentage of U.S. children living apart from their biological fathers more than doubled. Today, in America, 
18.5 million children are growing up without a dad. It's one in four. Another expert has written, there exists today no greater single threat to the long-term well-being of children, our communities, and our nation than the increasing number of children being raised without a committed, responsible, and loving father. Brian Rogers of the Australian National University says this, parental divorce is a risk factor for a wide range of social and psychological distress, delinquency, reoffending of prisoners, it's more than 60% in the NT at the moment where fatherlessness is, is a profound problem, um, substance abuse, early development of sexual interest, depression, and suicidal behavior. There are nefarious forces at play uh, trying to sexualize our young children. Because of the age limit, <laughs> some of them here, I'm just going to put, um, put, put a pause on what I was about to say, but it's, um, it's disturbing. Um, some more sobering statistics. 63% of youth suicides in the U.S. are from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. There's a lot of um, statistics from America. Um, not so many from Australia. Australia are not really very open uh, to their st uh, statistical release. I wonder why. Um, studies in America show that fatherlessness lowers educational performance. Twice as many children from broken families drop out of school. The IQ is significantly lower. Here's one from Australia. A study of Australian primary school children from three uh, family types. The first type they looked at was married heterosexual couples. Uh, the second was cohabitating heterosexual couples who weren't, weren't married. And the third one was he uh, homosexual couples. They found that in every area of educational behavior, language, math, social studies, sport, classwork, sociability, etc., children from married heterosexual couples performed much better than the other two groups. Looking at crime, uh, in the UK, studies are showing that children from broken homes are nine times more likely to commit crime than those from stable homes. A study in Maryland, uh, USA, found that bullying and aggressive behavior are associated with family breakdown. <clears throat> I'm going to tell a little story. I probably embarrassed myself with my uh, South African friends. Bless you, bless you. There's a few in the house. Um, you just pop up that picture of um, Pilansburg uh, National Park. <clears throat> uh, no, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not to blame. <laughs> um, my wife uh, said, uh, just go straight ahead till you get to the trunk in the road and turn right. And so, yeah. Dan, Dan told me to be careful with my jokes. Um, <laughs> Uh, this is just an abstract picture from, from Google Images. I don't know if it's actually from uh, 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 Pilansburg. Um, however, it's uh, useful to, uh, to tell the story. Back in 1979, uh, Operation Genesis uh, was conducted in this national park uh, to try and uh, repopulate uh, the park with elephants. Um, so they decided to, uh, to uh, transport some elephants down from other parks, principally uh, Kruger National Park, 
Um, but the problem was these um, uh, big, mature bull elephants uh, weigh something like 6,800 kilograms, which is almost 100 times my weight, about 80 times my wife's weight. No, sorry, 180. <laughs> so, but ma math, math isn't my strong point. Beg your pardon, just a little thing. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'm cooking again tonight. <laughs> These are big bull elephants. And they didn't actually have uh, trailers uh, that could take these elephants. I said, okay, no worries. Uh, we'll take some of this, uh, the young females and take some babies and we'll repopulate uh, Peelandsburg National Park. Is that roughly how you say it? With a bit of grace. Thank you. Bless you. Um, so everything was cool. Elephants were um, in this park doing their thing. Uh, but it was a number of years later that, that trouble started. Um, the park rangers started to discover um, white rhinos uh, had been uh, mauled and mutilated, gorded uh, with the tusks uh, of elephants. So these uh, baby elephants had grown up, and the, the male adolescents now uh, were going into um, must. Uh, which is a bit like when teenage boys uh, get their te testosterone moving. Um, but in elephants, it's, a, it's like testosterone on steroids. Um, and they were going on the rampage. Uh, they didn't know how to behave in a social group. Uh, and some 50 white rhinos were killed uh, during this brief time um, in this park. And so um, there was an ecologist who studied it, and they realized there was no difference between the parks. The environment was the same. And this was an unusual behavior for elephants. And then they realized it was because there were no fathers. And so uh, they got some money together. They managed to uh, manufacture uh, a trailer big enough to take the, uh, the male bull elephants. And they transported six uh, male bull elephants uh, into this national park. The problem was solved immediately. The young adolescent males uh, fell out of musk. They realized their testosterone didn't compete with these <laughs> bull elephant testosterones. That's a natural thing for elephants. Um, and they just learned how to behave. Uh, and the, the killing of the white rhinos stopped um, instantaneously. Uh, this story was used in an American academic uh, paper a little while later as an example in human adolescence of the importance of a stable society and a father figure to provide boundaries for teenage males. Next slide, thanks, uh, Eli. <clears throat> it's not just boys who need their dads. A British study showed that girls from fatherless families were twice as likely to leave home by the age of 18, three times more likely to be cohabitating by the age of 20, and three times as likely to have a birth out of wedlock. In regard to mental health, a Canadian study of teenagers discharged from psychiatric hospitals found that only 16% were living with both parents when they were admitted. There's an economic cost too, $2.5 billion a year in Australia is the cost of marital um, breakup. Research carried out in the US uh, just last year concluded one in four one in four children in America are living in a home without a father. 
We've fallen a long way in just the space of a generation, possibly two. We're now living in a fatherless generation. As I come towards the end of this message, let me just ask you this. What can we do as the ecclesia, as the church? Well, you know what? The condition hasn't changed, and so the prescription hasn't changed either. 2 Chronicles 7:14. If, if, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. We must pray for revival. Revive our first love of Jesus. Pray for a hunger for his word a thirst for intimacy with him. Petition our Father in heaven for the souls of the lost, the hopeless, the despairing, the fatherless. Pray for marriages, pray for families, pray for small children. Pray that the governance of our education system changes. We are to teach whenever, wherever we can, the truth of the gospel. Uphold his word. We need to pray particularly for our children and our youth that the Lord protects them from all the manifest fiery darts of the enemy. We need to raise the profile of our kids' church, our youth meetings, preach the truth in our pulpits and not shrink back. We must not capitulate to the demonic movement that seeks to call the gospel misinformation that would label Christians as terrorists, as happened recently with a deputy police commissioner in Queensland legislation which seeks to call us hate speakers, bigots, homophobes. And when we declare the gospel in the streets and in the homes, in the workplace, in the centers of education, we speak tenderly of a Father in heaven who loves us unconditionally. I wasn't going to share this story, but um, here we go. Uh, when I was five years of age, um, my mum and dad sat me down and said, um, we're breaking up, we're getting a divorce. Who do you want to live with, mum or dad? Well, I was quite mature for a five-year-old. After thinking about it briefly, I burst into tears. <laughs> I want to live with both of you. I don't know if my, my tears or my petitions worked or not. They're still together now after 63 years, but <laughs> uh, which is wonderful. Um, my dad was a great provider. Not so good as a protector. Not good as a priest. He was, he was present, but not present. He wasn't an absent father. He got up every morning, went to work, brought home the bread. But you know, as a kid, five years of age, all I wanted was my... All, all I wanted was my dad to take me fishing. He didn't have time for that. He just spent his time either working or, or drinking, occasionally playing golf with his mates. Uh, he wasn't a tactile father. I only remember one moment of tactileness. 
Is that right? When he picked up my, uh, my elder brother and threw him against the wall and broke his arm. My father's saved now. <laughs> He's come to the Lord. Uh, but uh, he was, I guess you could call, a uh, functioning alcoholic. Never had a hangover in his life. And yet I remember as a young child helping my mom on a Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock at kicking out time from the pub when my grandfather would be carrying my dad back home and my mom and brothers would try and carry him upstairs and put him on the bed. And uh, we knew it was going to be another Sunday dinner. Ruined. You know, um, where there's a void, the enemy comes in. I just wanted a dad to take me fishing. But my Cub Scout leader took me fishing. He had a motorbike. I used to go on the back of that. We used to go out, and uh, he taught me how to fish. I didn't know at five years of age he was a pedophile, and he was grooming me. Where there's a void, where there's a void, the enemy comes in. When we speak to people and tell them of our Father in heaven, we must tell them that he is our provider. He is our protector, our encourager, our helper, and our dearest friend. He's a father who loves us so much that he sent his son, Christ Jesus, to pay for our sins. He did not hold back his own son for us but allowed him to die on the cross to bring us back into relationship with our Father in heaven. No matter who we are, what we've done, who we've done it with, or why, we can find forgiveness and acceptance. And like the story of the prodigal son, we have a dad in heaven who is longing to celebrate our homecoming. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. Father God, we recognize that in this house there will be many who have had difficult relationships with their father. There may be fathers having difficult relationships with their children. But we can trust our Father in heaven Abba Father, who has adequately demonstrated his great love for us in giving Christ. Maybe the worship team would be kind enough just to come back. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're already wonderful. I had a wonderful. Um, reconciliation to my dad one day when he gave his heart to the Lord Jesus. Held his hands and he, he wept and wept as I brought him to the Lord. He's still alive in Scotland. Um, we get to see him regularly. And uh, when I go and meet my dad now, he hugs me and he kisses me on the cheek and he tells me that he loves me. How many families, how many lives are ruined by any number of different things? 
alcohol and drugs, just self, selfish desires. We have an opportunity today for some healing, an opportunity for our Father in heaven to come and touch us, to embrace us, to kiss us on the cheek with a holy kiss, wrap his arms around us as our protector, our provider, as Christ, our priest and mediator. As our heads are bowed, if you need to know that, Father, perhaps for the very first time, then I'd like to pray for you. If that's you, would you just, in this moment, just slip your hand up so I can pray for you. If you need to know God the Father who loves you and has a great homecoming waiting for you, that's you today. Just very briefly, just slip your hand up. Thank you. If, if you're online and this is you, then get in touch with us. We'd love to pray with you, support you. Let's stand together. Worship team are going to lead us uh, in a final song. We're going to have the.